live from the Poly Market Studio in LA. It's the Young Turks. God bless the United States. Turks, Jake, you're granted experience with you guys. Uh, well, I'd say lovely day, except of course, uh, giant, giant issues in the world, in the world and in America. And so uh, I always start out cheery, then mm -hmm. we start doing the news, and it turns into a disaster. Okay, in our bonus episode for our members today, which I'm looking forward to. Look, we're a little late to the whole five movies to describe who you are trend on social media. Um, I don't care. All right, we're gonna hop onto an old trend and we're gonna share the five movies that we feel define us as human beings. Love it. So I'm gonna start out just saying, uh, thank you somebody here. Uh, Benjamin Gilbert Liff gifted 50 Young Turks memberships. What the hell? Right out of the gate. It's so amazing. Benjamin, you're, you're amazing. And, and I love the, the community we have now where we agree and disagree in little parts and we have real constructive and productive conversations and then everybody backs each other up. I love it so much. So Benjamin, you're a hero. Everybody join below if you can. Believe me, our industry is in bad, bad shape. So the more members we have, the better, tyt.com slash join. You can join through there, you can donate through there. We appreciate all of you, let's no, see but you, you messed up, Cenk, because you just reminded me of a comment that one of our members wrote in yesterday during mm -hmm. the show. And I, I missed this comment, which is why I didn't read it out loud, but I'm gonna read it now and it goes with what you were saying earlier. So this is from Tanaj who says, Anna, I almost quit TYT, but last week was your best week and turned me around. I got too sensitive and finally realized you tell it like it is and sometimes it's hard to hear. I spent all day or all weekend thinking about and came to the conclusion that being challenged makes all the difference. You still piss me off, but apparently that's a good thing for me. That's I, awesome. God, I have so much respect for you. And that's what I love. Like we're supposed yes. to think about different perspectives and engage in debate knowing that it's all good and there's no hard feelings. It's just we have different perspectives. It's totally 100%. Fine. And as we were talking, the Progressive Moose gifted a membership. Greg1118 signed up. Scotty B upgraded. You guys are amazing. It's got to be Scotty. Amazing. Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We got to we got to stay together. We got to work together so we can survive and go forward and give you the news you need. All right. Speaking of which, well, lots to get to in regard to the ongoing war in Gaza, so let's get to it. This resident of Hanuna searching the rubble of this house after an Israeli strike. Hamdi Tanira says 30 people were inside, most of them children. Israel's military said Wednesday morning it had carried out about 250 airstrikes in Gaza in the previous 24 hours. It is now operating, quote, in the heart of Khan Yunus, telling civilians to evacuate parts of the city. This Israeli leaflet has a verse on it from the Quran. Ominously, it refers to Noah's warning that a flood was coming. The flood overtook them, it reads, while they persisted in wrongdoing. Well, 
it is clear that not only is the aerial bombardment just as intense as it was prior to the week long humanitarian stop in fighting. It now appears that it's even more intense in parts of the Gaza Strip that the Palestinian civilians were told to evacuate to for safety. Now they were told to evacuate to the south. The south is now being bombarded and intensely so. So Gaza's second largest city, Khan Yunis, is partially left in ruin as the Israeli military forces move ahead with their bombing campaign in this densely populated region. Now it is footage like what you just saw that has more and more people up in arms, young people protesting, demanding freedom, safety and humanitarian aid for the Palestinian people. But when you talk to some politicians like Republican Nikki Haley, she'd have you believe that everything that we're seeing with our own two eyes has no impact on why people would wanna protest. It's actually social media we gotta look out for, let's watch. We really do need to ban TikTok once and for all. And let me tell you why. For every 30 minutes that someone watches TikTok every day, they become 17% more anti-Semitic, more pro-Hamas based on doing that. Now, she actually does cite a study there. It's just that she cites it inaccurately, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And I want to note that social media does tend to keep us in these filter bubbles where we have our perspectives reinforced over and over again, and typically we don't get exposed to other perspectives. But that is not what's happening here. TikTok isn't propagandizing people to be anti Semitic. If anything, I think it's the endless cover that the United States government and the legacy media outlets here give to the Israeli government and the IDF as more and more innocent civilians on the Palestinian side lose their lives. In fact, let's get to some of the death toll numbers. So the Palestinian health ministry says that at this point there are about 18,000 deaths in the Gaza Strip. A lot of people are uncomfortable with using the numbers coming from the Palestinian Health Ministry. They argue that it's controlled by Hamas, even though historically, if you check the death toll numbers they've released against the numbers released by humanitarian organizations who do their own counts, they're accurate. There's no reason to believe they inflate the numbers. But what's also amazing is if you look at other humanitarian groups and what they're reporting. It appears that the Palestinian Health Ministry is actually being incredibly conservative with the numbers they're releasing. So the Euromed Human Rights Monitor releases its own numbers. They have people on the ground and they keep track of the number of civilian casualties. And they claim that the death toll of Palestinians had risen to 21,022 since the start of the war on the Gaza Strip. A number that includes those missing under the rubble whose chances of survival have almost completely diminished, including 8,312 children and 4,270 women. In addition to that, they break down the numbers further, finding that of the you know 21,022 people who have died, 19,660 of the dead are civilians. 60% of the dead are in fact women and children. 
And then 40% of the dead are in fact men, but the majority of them, 65% were civilians and elderly people. The deaths also include 280 medical personnel, 26 rescue workers, 112 United Nations staff, and 77 journalists and media professionals. These are all individuals who in other wars, the United States government would argue we need to do everything to save them. That it is, it is egregious if these people die as a result of aerial bombardments carried out by other countries. But in the case of Israel, the US provides cover and uses all sorts of excuses to justify what's going on. Everyone sees what's happening, including students who are engaging in some of these protests. To blame this all on TikTok, I think is stupid and simplifies the situation far too much. All right, I'll start with Nikki Haley and then go to the larger conflict. So according to her incredibly stupid logic, so for every 30 minutes you watch TikTok, you become 17% more anti-Semitic. So if you watch for five hours, presumably you'd become 170% anti-Semitic. So preposterously stupid. But you know, people in the establishment say things like this all the time. And then you know, and then they attack Donald Trump and they should. But then they get away with saying things that are dumber, crazier all the time as well. So you look at the, the details of that so-called study, it's a joke. They, okay, anti-Semitic counts towards anti-Semitism, obviously, right? That's the whole point. But then they say, if you use an anti-Israel hashtag, you're anti-Semitic. Okay, so your study is trash, okay? So if you disagree with the state of Israel, then you're classified as anti-Semitic. And then because of that, we should shut down all of TikTok. Okay, and what by the way- What a trash, trash study. The, the, the conclusion of the study also wasn't what Nikki Haley claimed it to be. First of all, I think the study is nonsense, period. But it didn't argue that TikTok makes you more anti-Semitic. It argued that individuals who use TikTok tend to be more anti-Semitic. And, and that's not remotely <laughs> that's true. Not true. What they, and by the way, it, this part wasn't clear, but it seemed to indicate that if you used a pro-Palestinian hashtag, they would also call you an anti-Semite. That's anti right, that's right, that is part of the methodology. <laughs> okay. So the other thing I'll just come on, say- Come on, come on, you monsters in the establishment. The other thing I'll say about it is, Look, I, I understand the need to pick on TikTok, considering you know where the app was developed. You know its ties to the Chinese government. I understand that, but are we going to pretend like there isn't all sorts of anti-Semitic rhetoric on other social media platforms, especially on Elon Musk's platform X? Yeah, and and I'll tell you why are they picking on TikTok as opposed to the other platforms? Because TikTok is where all the young people are. And young people are not listening to the horse crap of the establishment. So they're like, I don't get it. We used to brainwash you with cable news. Joe Scarborough would just call you an anti-Semite and we were done with it. Now on TikTok, we can't control them. We, we gotta bottle these young people back up. You know what, there's too many young people on TikTok. It's, uh, we're worried about China. We're worried about anti-Semitism. We're worried about uh, something else, I don't know, okay? Just shut it down, shut it down. They're not even subtle about it. The Republicans, Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, all of them. Like, oh, TikTok, what a danger! Young people are on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to be able to stop them. And okay, can I, let me break down another incredibly stupid thing to say. TikTok is doing this. What do you mean, TikTok is doing this? Do you even understand 
that individuals make videos and put it on TikTok and that it's just a platform? TikTok doesn't say, hey, Bobby in Nebraska, you wanna make a video? So let me let me steel man their argument and be fair to what they're claiming, right? Because look, there could be truth behind this, but I, I haven't seen any evidence of it. So they argue that you know, TikTok as a company has tailored their algorithm to promote the TikTok videos that are critical of Israel. You're not insanity. They insanity. might. I don't know. They're, I'm not saying it's, that it's impossible. It's, but we don't it's have any nearly evidence. impossible. But Jay, I know algorithms better than two thousand times better than any dumbass in Congress. So you, what, what are they going to do? They're going to pick like specific hashtags and they're going to manipulate the algorithm based on that. Yeah, they can do that. Yeah. Okay, but that's such an that is. Intensely unlikely. Okay, intensely hold on. unlikely. Hold on, hold on one second. Okay, I think that it is unfair to say it is intensely unlikely. I, we don't know. I'm just saying they're they're making that claim without providing a shred of evidence of that claim, and they're trying to blame a social media platform for how the you know university protesters are feeling about this ongoing war how young people are feeling about this ongoing war how young people feel about Israel but have they considered the fact that the legacy media outlets are no longer the gatekeepers of the type of footage that people see of these wars there's all sorts of international outlets that do a far better job in, in covering this war in a fair and balanced way. Okay. Channel 4 News in the UK is a good example. They've been doing a really good job. They in no way have been anti-Israel, anti-Zionist, but they're showing you both sides of the situation so the viewers can actually figure out for themselves how they feel about the conduct of the idea. Okay, let's talk about the algorithm of mainstream media, which is if you dare to criticize Israel, we'll take you off the air. We'll take you off the air. You can't criticize this. Anti-Semite, anti-Semite. Every time, every time, my entire life growing up, my entire life, every time anybody criticizes Israel, how dare you? Take him off the air. Anti-Semite. Where's your goddamn algorithm, mainstream media? Where's your goddamn algorithm? The reality is, you suppress free speech all the time. And what did the Congress just do? Over 300 congressmen passed easily, easily, saying if you dare say that Zionism is wrong. We're gonna punish you, right? So where's the algorithm? Where's what? Okay, so you guys have cheat on behalf. Of, let's be honest, guys. Are we gonna pretend there isn't lobbyists? Is that what we're gonna do? Are we gonna pretend that the American government isn't one thousand percent tilted towards Israel? I'm not gonna pretend. I don't care what you say. I don't care what kind of horse crap propaganda that you want to press down on the American people. You must bow down. No, we're not going to. We're not, and if you want to shut down TikTok, what you're saying is, I'm gonna shut down young people's speech. And then that way, my propaganda guys on mainstream media will be the only ones that control speech. Sorry, it doesn't matter. If you shut down TikTok, they're gonna sprout out somewhere else, on Instagram, on a new platform, etc. You, they, they, what they're really, really bitter about is that young people don't hate as much as the people that watch television. On television, they feed you propaganda. Oh yeah, Israel's the best. Palestinians are dogs. They're animals. They're savages. All they understand is violence. We have to bomb them. Bomb them. We have to spend fourteen billion dollars murdering their children and their women. That's what the monsters on TV say. And then, oh, but we're worried about young people don't want to kill enough civilians. Young people don't want to murder enough civilians, and Nikki Haley's concerned about it. Warhawk neocon monster. And by the way, right wing, you want to, 
America first, you wanna spend $14 billion to get us into another war? We could have that for healthcare for our kids, education for our kids, higher wages. But all you wanna do is you wanna send it to Israel to kill more Palestinian children? Are you insane? And I bet you a lot of the right wing say, no, I don't want it. I don't want it, it hasn't passed the Senate yet. It should never pass the Senate. I don't want my dollars going to murder Palestinians. I don't want it. Okay, so now let's talk back back to Gaza. So Israel says, "Oh, just it's okay. Oh, we're just we're just moving the citizens. We're just doing mass deportations and ethnic cleansing. It's no big deal. We're just moving them to the south." And now they're bombing the hell out of the south. Is there any human beings left in Washington D.C.? You monsters! You're gonna send them $14 billion of our money? Say, oh yeah, relocate everybody from the north. Classic genocide, genocide 101. And now we're, they're bombing the hell out of the people who moved to the south. And I'm supposed to pay for that? No, no way, man. I don't know what's, look, I'm trying as hard as I can to bring change here. You know what they did to the men? They went in, they grabbed the men, put them, brought them out in public, stripped them down to their underwear. And then started taking pictures of them. No charges, no reason to believe that any of those guys are terrorists. And now people are putting out on social media, that one's a doctor, that one's a teacher, that one's a businessman, etc., etc. This kind of daily humiliation, but how much can people take of this? But that's and then they say, you have to love Israel. Oh, they hate Israel, we have to murder them. We have to occupy them for 50 freaking years. Can you believe they hate Israel? Who would who could suffer this and then not hate Israel? What are they supposed to love Israel? What kind of maniac? What kind of lunatic thinks? Oh yeah, after we murder your family and we strip you down naked and take pictures of you and mock you, oh then you're supposed to love me. Oh you don't love me enough. That's it. I'm going to kill you again. No, we should send zero dollars to Israel. Zero, zero. This is not an ally. All right. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, we've got more to get to on this story, including what the intelligence officials in Israel knew about the night before the terrorist attack took place in in Israel. So that and more coming up. Don't miss it. All right, back on the Young Turks, Jane and Anna with you. All right, we've got some more details on Gaza. So let's talk about what the UN is trying to do here. The civilian death toll and ongoing humanitarian crisis in the Gaza Strip has gotten so bad that the UN is now looking to act. Although I should tell you that considering the United States has veto power, it is unlikely to go through. But with that said, UN Chief Antonio Gutierrez has invoked Article 99 of the UN Charter. You might be wondering what the hell is Article 99? What does that mean? Well, it calls for a ceasefire. It is the first time that Gutierrez has invoked Article 99 of the UN Charter, which states that the UN Secretary General may bring to the attention of the Security Council 
any matter which in his opinion may threaten the maintenance of international peace and security. Now I want to emphasize that this clause is rarely used by the United Nations. And it is part of their charter, but again, rarely used. And it is a dramatic move. Gutierrez on Wednesday of this week wrote to members of the Security Council and urged them to collectively call for a ceasefire and a full humanitarian ceasefire, not a pause in fighting. He said that two months of war had created appalling human suffering, physical destruction and collective trauma across Israel and the occupied Palestinian territory. And just to go back to what I was saying earlier, the United States does have veto power, so does China, France, Russia and the UK. The international community, Gutierrez says, has a responsibility to use all its influence to prevent further escalation and end this crisis. I urge the members of the Security Council to press to avert a humanitarian catastrophe. Now in Northern Gaza, 97% of households have inadequate food. Approximately 83% of Southern Gaza are now adopting extreme consumption strategies just to survive. And the Israel Hamas war has caused unimaginable loss, destruction and misery in the strip according to the United Nations World Food Program. This is urgent, says Gutierrez. The civilian population must be spared from greater harm. With the humanitarian ceasefire, the means of survival can be restored and humanitarian assistance can be delivered in a safe and timely manner across the Gaza Strip. Now, depending on which figures you have more faith in, the Palestinian Health Ministry is arguing that there are now 18,000 casualties in the Gaza Strip. The Euromed Monitor, which is a humanitarian group, does its own count and they say that 21,000 people have been killed as a result of the IDF's aerial bombardments. So the situation is dire and it is impossible to get humanitarian aid in. Hospitals are no longer functioning as a result of the lack of fuel. It is a horrific situation and as you all know, residential buildings have been completely destroyed. People have nowhere to go. They have nowhere to go for safety and they have nowhere to go back to once the war is over because their homes have been destroyed. Yeah, this is the power of propaganda because online you look at people and they say, "Oh yeah, no, the world is with Israel. That's not remotely true. The entire world is united in saying, please stop killing the Palestinians. What is wrong with you? Why do you continue to drop 2,000 pound bombs in residential areas, murdering civilians on the ground wantonly, indiscriminately? Oh, there's a Hamas fighter in a tunnel, totally unaffected, underneath the building, maybe. So I killed hundreds of people by dropping a bomb on them and lighting them on fire and crushing their skulls, their bodies. And then their family members had to pick apart, Oh, there's his leg. Oh, there's my kid's arm. That's if it hurts you to hear that, I can guarantee you that it hurts a lot more to actually experience it in Gaza. So the whole world is begging Israel, will you for God's sake stop? Enough, enough, stop already. And let's be honest about it, it's your fault in the first place. <gasps> oh No, you can't blame Israel, Israel's just such a lovely, wonderful democracy. I mean, they were just occupying 5 million Palestinians for over 50 years. They had their boot right on their neck and said, you're, you're not human, you're violent savages. We're gonna occupy you because all you understand is violence. What, 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 what? We're a wonderful democracy, we're such a great ally. Bring, drive hatred, drive hatred and then
go, oh, I can't believe the Muslims hate us. I can't believe the Palestinians hate us. No, so if you're deluded and you're in a bubble and you think, oh, the, yeah, everybody supports Israel because I saw it on cable news, MSNBC and CNN and Fox News agreed. Even they barely don't agree these days. But I, mainstream media generally, especially before this conflict my whole life, oh, they all tell me that everybody loves Israel. Oh, and if anyone doesn't like Israel, they're just anti-Semites. They should know that we get to occupy Muslims for 50 years if we want 500 years. They should know when they are ruled, we rule them. But no, 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 everything's gonna be great. So then now the UN says, okay, can we for God's sake stop killing people? And the US says, hell no. Well, they haven't responded to it yet, but but if I were to guess, if I were to make a prediction, I, I just find it difficult to believe that the United States would not veto this effort. They always veto it. It's, look, maybe there's a giant 180 degree turn overnight, but Joe Biden has never checked Israel. He's greenlighted every massacre, every illegal war crime, and so have the Republicans. So. If history is any guide, and what did the US do by the way? The Palestinians years ago came to the United Nations and said, hey, we'd like to do this diplomatically. Not through war, not through terrorism, but we'd like to be declared a state just like Israel was. Exactly like Israel was. And the US said, veto, how dare you try diplomacy? Diplomacy is terrorism, no way. What do you think you are, a human being? So that reminds me of the response from Israel to what the UN is trying to do here. So let me uh, guess, everybody's anti-Semitic. Okay, so let's go to the CNBC excerpt from their reporting. Israeli Foreign Minister Eli Cohen on Wednesday said the UN chief's tenure was a danger to world peace. No, you're a danger to world peace. And suggested his push to activate Article 99 constituted support of the Palestinian militant group Hamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody, look, I know that in American media and politics, they still take Israeli propaganda seriously. No one else on planet Earth does. Oh, if you dare criticize us killing 17,000 civilians and crushing all those babies and kids and moms and grandmas, well, then you're, uh, you're aiding Hamas. You're all terrorists. All, the Palestinians are not a tranquil population, Lindsey Graham said. That they, they basically had it coming. That's exactly the ideology of terrorists. So Eli Cohen, of course, talking like a terrorist and saying that if you support not murdering Palestinians, that you're the terrorist. Okay, two can play at that game. By the way, this is, this is not any gamesmanship, this is real. Every bomb dropped in the middle of a city like Israel's doing is an act of terrorism. Oh No, you can't call Israel terrorists. They get to kill all the civilians, they get to kill 10 times, 20 times as many civilians as the ones we do call terrorists and that they are terrorists. We get to kill 20 times as many, but we're not terrorists. It, we missed again, Oh, more collateral damage, anti-Semite, anti-Semite, everybody's an anti-Semite. I get to do it because America's backing us. The whole world doesn't matter because America's gonna give us money to kill those Palestinians. America's gonna block this in the UN like they blocked everything else. And as long as we own America, Oh, no, you can't say that, sorry. APAC doesn't exist, Democratic majority for, for Israel doesn't exist. There is no lobbying in America, there is no legalized bribery. Oh Yeah, let's all pretend it doesn't exist. Okay, you can pretend anything you like, but America's gonna strike that down and green light Israel murdering more Palestinians and they're gonna send them money to murder more Palestinians.
Let's move on to some pretty explosive and stunning reporting from Haaretz in regard to what the Israeli intelligence community was concerned about literally the night before Hamas carried out its atrocities and its terrorist attacks. So Haaretz has an explosive new report out indicating that top defense officials in Israel actually held urgent consultations the night before October 7th about a possible Hamas attack. However, no one in the IDF notified the organizers of the Nova Music Festival to let them know about the potential threat, the potential risks. And as a result, Hamas carried out those atrocities the day after on October 7th, killing hundreds of people in that music festival alone. So the Gaza Division's Northern Brigade was responsible for the security in that area of Israel. Its commanders were aware of these warnings about a potential terrorist attack being carried out by Hamas. But no one in the IDF notified the thousands of party goers or the party's organizers about their concerns or demanded that the event be shut down. And keep in mind, the music festival is very close to the border with the Gaza Strip, which is what made the situation even riskier. And the result was 360 festival attendees getting murdered and also at least 40 being taken as hostages to the Gaza Strip. Now the intelligence was based on several sources that pointed to worrisome preparations on the other side of the border. The later warning had been preceded by other intelligence that aroused concerns among officials, according to Haaretz. The findings were worrying enough that top defense officials held two urgent consultations on Friday night in an effort to determine whether the intelligence they had in hand pointed to plans by Hamas to infiltrate Israeli territory. Ultimately, they did nothing with that intelligence, clearly, because again, Hamas ended up carrying out these atrocities the next day. And what's even more shocking about this report is keep in mind that the majority of the IDF soldiers were actually near the West Bank, helping to protect the illegal settlements that were built built by the Israeli settlers. That's why it took them hours upon hours to even respond to Hamas's atrocities. So and by the way, and we're giving them weapons, right? That like we're giving these incredibly incompetent people who couldn't even do their jobs to protect their own people, we're giving them 2,000 pound bombs. That's what we're doing. We are rewarding their incompetence by giving them 2,000 pound bombs to drop on residential buildings, on hospitals, on refugee camps, on mosques, on churches. It's insane, it's absolutely insane. To give you context on the 2,000 pound bombs, even with all the civilians that America killed in, in Iraq and, and the incredibly heavy fighting, if you might remember, in some of those cities, we never dropped a bomb that was larger than 500 pounds. That's right. And Israel is dropping bombs that are four times that size when before they even went and go to fight. They're just, and they've no, they've shown no evidence that they've even gotten any Hamas fighters. They're in the tunnels. Okay, so. Killing civilians at a grotesque rate. New York Times did a great article about how this is killing civilians at a greater rate than any conflict in our lifetime. So when you kill civilians on purpose, that's called terrorism. I know, Oh, you can't say it about Israel. You could only say it about poor people who are occupied and have no power at all. Well, okay, as long as Israel is A, our ally, and B, just keeps repeating over and over again, we're not targeting civilians. 
That's yeah. all they have to say. We're that's not, all, that's all we're they not have to, targeting yeah. civilians. Yeah. It's just that <laughs> depending no on which numbers you. you believe, depending on which numbers you believe, it's just that the civilian death toll is somewhere around 60 to 90%. But yeah. we're not targeting the civilians. And that's according to IDF numbers. Yes. Okay, if you take numbers in the real world, they haven't shown any Hamas fighters that have been killed. I'm sure there's some in there. I'm not saying that there aren't any, but they haven't shown any evidence of any Hamas fighters. And by the way, depending on which interview you're listening to and which representative from Israel is in that interview, the numbers of Hamas militants that have been killed changes. One of them in a conversation with Pierce Morgan said, no, no, we've taken out 2000 Hamas militants. Another conversation consisted of an Israeli official saying, no, no, no it's 5000, we got 5000. Yeah, 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 okay. it's all lies, so, all 100% lies. I don't believe a word that any Israeli official says, pure propaganda. Oh, I killed all those civilians, but oh yeah, maybe 2000, 5000, just everything, who cares? Let's make up numbers, Americans will believe anything we say. We say we own their government anyway. So I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to say things that are super obvious. Okay, and by the way, Israel is not the only one. I don't want people getting the wrong idea. The Saudis own us too, there's a ton of companies, we legalize bribery, any country can come by. All right, but I wanna go to the heart of the story. So the IDF, your main job is to protect Israeli citizens. Those poor people at the concert got butchered by Hamas. No, you're too busy protecting settlers who are murdering Palestinians and stealing their land. Netanyahu, your main job as prime minister is to protect Israeli civilians. You're too busy helping the settlers do their terrorism and so and protecting yourself from corruption charges. So you didn't do your core job of protecting those poor innocent Israeli civilians. Didn't care, but they did get what they wanted. The right-wing government of Israel, and remember, it's not all Israelis. A lot, and now most tons of people agree Netanyahu's got to go. Unfortunately, he hasn't gone, and they're not going to make him go. But they agree that he should go. Okay, so it's Israel's not one monolith, and certainly their civilians are not. Okay, but at the end of the day, what did the right-wing government of Israel and the IDF get? They got to now level Gaza, which is what they always wanted to do, reoccupy Gaza, which is what they're saying they're going to do next. And meanwhile, a two-state solution is even further away. And they're like, yes, we get to occupy for longer. Why, what's their excuse? Hamas has not been eradicated. Now we have to eradicate Hamas. Every single person who was in Hamas, who we don't know who they are, has to raise their hand and say, I am Hamas, come kill me, I surrender. They're, look, they're, yeah, that's likely. Yeah. They're, they're reproducing Hamas. That is what they're doing right now as we speak. Okay, look, and it's, it's basic human psychology, if you, experienced, witnessed your entire family get wiped out. That is a, not only a traumatizing situation, that is a radicalizing situation. Look, I'm gonna say it as an American, okay, who doesn't have a, a terrorist bone in my body. But if any government killed every member of my family, I would be an extremist. Yeah, of course. I'd be out for blood. Who, guys, who are we kidding? Because I love my family. My family's the only reason to be alive. Most people feel that way. This isn't, look, it's not freaking rocket science, guys. It's really not. Yeah, so look, guys, you're, it's, again, more things you're not supposed to say. If Texas was occupied, 
the tech, everyone in half of Texas would fight back with what? Their guns, right? It, it, right now, most right wingers in Texas go, hell yeah. Imagine they come in, they, they do what Israel just did, the IDF just did to the men in, in Gaza, where they strip you down naked. They say, oh, right wingers in Texas, come here, you're occupied now. Strip down into your underwear, and then we're gonna take pictures of you and make fun of you and call you terrorists. What would be the first thing you did when you got back home? You'd grab your gun, right? Tell me you wouldn't, Texas, tell me you wouldn't. And then you'd go and try to make sure that you got freedom, right? And then we'd call you all terrorists and go, ha, terrorists, terrorists. And then they kill your daughter and they kill your grandfather. And then you go, okay, well, I'm gonna fight back, terrorist, terrorist. Okay, yeah, but okay, fine, don't kill civilians, totally agree. And then how about when Israel kills civilians at 10 times the rate? Nope, not terrorist, not terrorist. Beautiful democracy ally flourishing in the Middle East. These are all obvious, preposterous lies. I'm just sick of having to navigate what you're allowed to say and not allowed to say when we have one of the most monstrous governments right now on earth, constantly imprisoning these Palestinians and saying we're never going to let them go. Now the new logic is, well, since they did this attack, we're gonna have to occupy them for longer. Because then if we did a two state solution now, well, then it would be rewarding Hamas. So we won't, don't wanna reward Hamas and we wanna eradicate them. So that'll probably take another 20 years and we'll continue to occupy and take more land and more land and put more settlers on it. Those religious maniacal zealots who say, think that God told them, oh, kill the Muslims. Oh, and oh, take their land, oh yeah, we should listen to those settlers. Freaking lunatics, freaking lunatics. I'm not interested in those settlers. Two state solution. Last thing, this is super important. Guys, Israel's whole point and the point of the Zionists were, and I don't say that in a negative light, was actually to give Jews across the world that had been persecuted a safe haven. There's actually a lot of logic to that, right? Now, I know there's the inherent problem of, okay, but where? Where do you put it? And, and who, how about the people that are living there? I understand that. But there was an understandable need to give Jews a safe haven somewhere in the world. But as long as you have the occupation, you're never going to be safe. They're always gonna want their freedom. You think they're just gonna surrender to you and say, "Oh, that's okay, just keep us as your dogs for the next 200 years. No, they're gonna fight back like every other human being would, like you would. Would you, if you're an Israeli, would you, be, would you accept being occupied by the Palestinians for the rest of your life? No, you'd fight back and we'd help you fight back. So as long as you keep doing the occupation, ironically, Israel will never be safe. And the whole point of the country was to be a safe haven. For God's sake, for decency, humanity, and your own safety, end the occupation. It is not complicated. The occupation is a core evil. It is an evil, and it must be ended. And you can't say, "Oh, I'm doing an incredibly evil act, but I'm lovely, I'm a democracy, I'm an ally, let me keep killing Palestinians, no. All right, when we come back from the break, we're gonna talk about something entirely different, some domestic issues, including Donald Trump and more and more fears about him wanting to be a dictator. Apparently, he's been naming some of the people he wants in his cabinet. So that's adding to the fears. We'll give you that and more when we come back. God bless the United States. Back 
back on TYT. Jank Anna, Surge Call 93 just joined and Gear of Fear upgraded. You could do that through the join button too. We can't tell you how much we appreciate you. Speaking of which, Benjamin Morrill gifted a Young Turks membership on YouTube. Jacob Londono, Moon Dragon, and Bronco gifted five apiece. You guys are amazing. We appreciate you so much, Anna. All right. Donald Trump, who is light years ahead of every other Republican primary challenger, is already planning to stack his cabinet with pre-vetted loyalists. Now, all your favorite people, including Tucker Carlson and Steve Bannon, are on that list. So let's get into it, starting with the potential VP pick. Now, this is an Axios report, and Axios listed some of the people you would suspect are people that he's considering for VP. Marjorie Green, Christy Nome, Carrie Lake. However, JD Vance also made it on that list. So he's apparently up for consideration. Although I have a feeling he's gonna stick to a female vice president, we'll see. Now, interestingly enough, Melania Trump wants to go in a different direction. She is pushing for Trump to pick Tucker Carlson as his VP. And last month, Trump did in fact say that he would consider Carlson for the role when he was on the Clay, Travis and Buck Sexton show. And we talked about that story a little bit here at TYT. Now, apparently he has some considerations for Attorney General as well. He's considering Stephen Miller for that position. Now Miller served as an advisor to Trump and is known as the architect for Trump's pretty brutal anti-immigration policies, including the policy of taking children away from their parents as they reach the border to seek asylum. And according to Axios, Miller has written and spoken extensively about unprecedented plans to detain, purge and punish undocumented immigrants. If put back in charge, he's eager to test the boundaries of what courts and the military can do to make that happen fast. There's more, there's the chief of staff, we can get into that as well. But Jenk, what are your thoughts so far? So um, the people that are on this list are a murderer's row of ghouls and goblins. And so um, almost all of them are people that in the first term of Donald Trump, uh, the rest of the staff, the administration, etc. said, no, 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 no way, no way. And the Senate wouldn't confirm, etc. So Donald Trump learned his lesson. And he said, and in one piece, they explained that he thinks Secretary of State, acting Secretary of State, what difference does it make? Oh, You didn't confirm them, who cares? I actually agree with him on that. He doesn't need them confirmed. They make it seem like it's like a big deal. It's not that big a deal. They're just gonna put all, and he's the president. He's gonna have to run the country. So he's gonna have to fill all those positions. Whether we like it or not, he's gonna fill them with these guys. And now why do I call them ghouls and goblins? Because I disagree with them on policy? No, they're talking about, one of the guys is talking about starting gulags and a reign of terror. They're not hiding it. Kosh Patel and Steve Bannon talked about how they're gonna arrest their political opponents, giving no specific charges. Saying no, no, no. If we're and they mentioned MSNBC and Joe Scarborough, for example, they're like, we're going to come and arrest you. That's political prisoners. This is all, by the way, while doing the Orwellian, we're in favor of freedom. When they're doing the exact opposite, we're in favor of the Constitution. We're in favor of America. When they're doing the exact opposite. So the number one thing to understand about this is that actually, let me give you, but break it down as quickly. A lot of Trump voters have no idea that they're going to do this. They're not reading Axios's piece. They're not diving into the details. And what do they think? They think 
Well, last time around, everybody said Trump was gonna be a disaster and the country didn't melt. He was a president, we continued, everything was fine. But guys, there's a giant problem there. It's because as much as I loathe so much of the establishment and their corruption, etc., they did serve as a check on this madman. And they stopped him from doing all of his crazy ideas that he and this motley crew wanted to do. So now ironically, because the establishment stopped him from all doing most of the crazy things, people look back at it and go, that wasn't so bad. Okay. Well, let me let me use different wording because I don't think establishment is quite right. The argument is that our institutions held and they prevented Trump from carrying out what he tried to carry out, which was the reversal of our democratic process to ensure that he remained in power. Now, there were important people involved in the process, including Vice President Mike Pence. And my understanding is that Trump is gonna make damn sure that he's going to have his administration filled with lapdogs and loyalists who will do his bidding and break the law on his behalf. I, I, look, when push comes to shove, who knows if people are really willing to carry out everything that Trump wants them to carry out. But that is a dangerous thought, right? No, no, but in this case, you're right about the first term and they didn't right. and the institutions held, right? And even super right wing Republicans who Trump handpicked, mm -hmm. when he said, let's roll out the tanks, they were like, no, we're all gonna resign if you roll out the tanks against the American people. That's just martial law, we're not gonna do that, this is democracy. So the institutions held even with the most right wing Republicans in there, right? But these guys, this is why this story is so important, are the ones that say no brakes in the car. No, there's, we're not, we don't care about the institutions. In fact, they very much say we wanna destroy those institutions. So the real question to me is, what happens in this scenario where you have Stephen Miller, you know, as his, um, as his attorney general, you have uh, potentially, you know, Tucker Carlson as his VP, um, Steve Bannon. Uh, there are considerations for Steve Bannon in the administration as well. Tucker chief of staff. Yeah, chief of staff. And by the way, guys, Steve, look, Steve Bannon is back in the good graces of Donald Trump. He's almost definitely going to be in the administration. I would be very surprised if he wasn't chief of staff, and that's what Axios is reporting as mm -hmm. most likely. Okay. That means Steve Bannon is basically running the White House because Donald Trump's not that bright and he doesn't care about details. He just wants revenge and this and that. And Bannon knows how to execute that revenge and those undemocratic principles. Can I, Him as chief of staff is where the country's almost done. I want to I want to talk about where I'm at with this whole issue because I know this sounds dark, but it's the truth. Every single day, I do savor the fact that we still live in a democracy. And I'm incredibly frustrated with how many Americans really take that for granted, right? It's, you look at other countries that, are, that have a dictator, that are authoritarian, tyrannical. And what's amazing to me is like the very people who believe in the right to bear arms in order to prevent the rise of a tyrannical government are the very people who are either wittingly or unwittingly supporting us barreling toward the dismantling of our democratic process. Now again, the real question is, and I don't wanna be hyperbolic. Like I, I, I feel like there was a lot of hyperbolic stuff going on in the reporting during Trump's term, right? Which is why I'm, I'm a lot more careful in what I believe and what, what I'm willing to be scared about or concerned about. I am concerned about this. And I think at this point, considering the fact that Joe Biden refuses to allow for a robust primary, which means he's gonna be the candidate on the Democratic side, he's incredibly weak and there's a good chance he's gonna lose to Trump. My mind is already in that place of, okay, Trump's gonna be president again. So the real question is, 
Will our institutions hold? That includes the courts, that includes Congress. I have a lot more faith in the courts as opposed to Congress, believe it or not, because we saw what Republican lawmakers were willing to do on January 6th. Even after the riots took place, some of those Republican senators were willing to contest the electoral votes for Joe Biden. So I am worried about Congress, but there are other elements of our government in this system of checks and balances that could protect us from someone like Trump wanting to do what it appears he wants to do. Yeah, guys, it's not hyperbolic. So Anna's right. That like that the cable news guys ruined it by being so hyperbolic in his first term that it became the boy who cried wolf, and now no one believes it. Even the Democrats don't believe it. If they really believed that the Trump was going to do this, they would be a lot more animated about defeating Trump. Right now, they're barely doing anything to defeat Trump. So now, but the thing is, his impulses were always there. That's why I was so concerned, because you would see him saying, hey, can we do X, can we do Y? He, we know for a fact, and he's not denying any of, the, of this anymore. He wanted to build a fence with, that was electric, you touch it, you die. Alligator, snakes, all this insanity, shooting them in the leg and seeing if they bleed out. And, oh, hey, I'm not doing a headshot. All of these things that Trump wanted to do and his administration wouldn't let him do. And now they're all saying in this piece, we're gonna do it here. So let me give you a sense of it and then tell you why the next time if Trump is president, it is not going to be the same and why I don't think the institutions will hold. So there's a guy named Mike Davis and he's one of the attorney general candidates. And even if he's not attorney general, he's going in the administration in a very important role. And Axios says the bombastic Davis has promised a three week reign of terror in which he would put kids in cages and jail prosecutors and journalists who have gone after Trump. Even telling MSNBC's Mehdi Hassan that he has, quote, his spot picked out in the DC gulag. And by the way, three week reign of terror and putting kids in cages are also direct quotes. So there's these guys who are saying, no, we're gonna put you in jail. Now, so what happens? You say, okay, Mehdi Hassan is arrested for what? Guys, you have this sense of like, oh, they're just gonna grab him and the courts are gonna say, hey, that's ridiculous, let him go, right? No, they're gonna invent a charge. And then he's gonna sit there and then they're gonna have to adjudicate it. And then they're thinking of putting Kosh Patel, who's just a lunatic as the head of the CIA or the FBI. And he's gonna weaponize the DOJ. And there's quotes in here where they say, yeah, of course we're gonna weaponize the DOJ because we think the Democrats did it to us. So then we're gonna dig in through the CIA and the FBI into Mehdi Hassan's life, into Joe Scarborough's life, into Chuck Schumer's life, etc. And if they did anything wrong at all, that's it, it's a violation. Okay, what are you gonna do, not enforce the law? And then the courts are, because they're neutral, objective, they're gonna be stuck in a hard place. I don't know, but it seems like they're bringing only their political opponents and their media opponents. But hey, that guy was with, you know, invent things, a prostitute. That guy did cheat on his taxes. That guy did fill out the wrong form, right? So all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute, there goes half his, and then everybody's scared to death. Then no one's opposing Trump or Bannon or any of these guys. Anna's right, Congress is gone. All the Republicans will be 100% on his side, and the Democrats will be scared out of their minds the minute he arrests one of them. They're all gonna cave, you know how Democrats are. We've seen it our whole lives. So then you're like, and then they start to change the rules. They're talking about changing the rules of the government. So then they could start arresting people for things that aren't even illegal now, 
but will they will claim are illegal later. And the number one thing they're concerned about is criticizing Donald Trump. So now what kind of country do we live in? But the problem is most of Trump fans don't know it and don't believe it. Hardcore MAGA is like, finally, yes. And their justification is, you guys did it first. Now, it's actually not true. Donald Trump actually did break all those laws in brazen ways, right? But by the way, the DOJ and Joe Biden and this administration and the establishment made a massive mistake by waiting for two and a half years before charging Donald Trump because then it made it look political. And why? Because ironically, they were trying to protect him because he's one of the elites. And so now these guys are gonna steamroll everyone. Do you think the Democrats are gonna be able to stand up our institutions? They're gonna change the institutions, they have four long years. It's gonna be an absolute nightmare. And then the last people are the Democrats, etc. in Washington. They don't actually believe it. They think, oh, the Titanic can't sink. Our institutions will hold, don't worry about it. What a bunch of demagogues, ha ha. Oh, then we'll beat him in 28, if there is a 28. He tried to stay in office last time and he did fake electors in a coup. You think he's just, whether it's Trump or anyone else that's in power, his vice president, whoever it might be, you think they're just gonna leave? When they're telling you ahead of time, we don't care about democracy and our government and our system. If we lose this election, at a we bare will. minimum. We're gonna lose the election. Let's just accept it, accept it, accept it, because that's where we're at. Just accept it, okay? No, I, that's, you no, know me. No, but we have to, because the DNC has decided for us that Biden will be the candidate, okay? An 81-year-old guy who like looks blue, he looks like a corpse that's being like held up, like propped up by someone behind him. That is gonna be the Democratic candidate. You don't have a voice if you're a Democratic voter, you must accept, and he's gonna lose to Trump. So just accept where we're at, because that's where I'm at mentally. I'm not gonna wait until election day, nearly a year from today, and pretend like I'm shocked at the results. We all see it coming, we're all on the Titanic, the iceberg is straight ahead and we're barreling toward it. So I don't know what to do because I don't have any control over the situation, Jake. None of us do, none of us have any power over the DNC and the incredibly irresponsible and selfish conduct that they're engaging in right now as we speak. So it is what it is, they, and you're right, they don't believe it. Because if they genuinely did believe it, I have a hard time thinking that the Democratic establishment would be like, let's force Biden on the Democratic voters. The guy who is polling so poorly, poll after poll, Donald Trump is leading in battleground states. Anyway, whatever, I mean. Enjoy the democracy that we have today, that's all, that's all I'm saying, savor it, enjoy it. We've been taking it for granted. We thought that it was a, a like more than a privilege, that it, we were entitled to it. But no, democracy is something that was fought for, and now it's something that is being dismantled right before our eyes, something that is under threat right before our eyes, and we don't really have any line of defense. Because the opposing party, the Democrats, they're filled with their own monsters and goblins. Oh, the precious DNC, you know, all the handpicked people by Biden who are serving in the DNC, they're terrified of losing their jobs. So pretending as if Biden's the best candidate in their minds helps to preserve their precious, precious DNC jobs. Okay, well, enjoy them until election day comes. We'll see what happens then. God, it's so pathetic. We gotta take a break. When we come back, we've got more for you. We'll see what we're gonna cover. I don't know yet. <laughs>